Hey everybody, welcome back to America's Game, episode number 22. Scott, what's going on, man? Yeah, 22, week uh, 14. It's been quite a ride since we started this. Uh, when was our first episode? We were, like, July we started this, or... Uh, maybe, maybe a August. little bit later. I think August, yeah. Yeah, you know, I think it might have been July because we did our main event like the second week or third week of August, and that might have been what our third episode. So maybe oh, end of yeah. July, early August, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're almost through a full season, but I'm doing well. Uh, last week before the fantasy playoffs, so I'll just try to navigate the buys and try to navigate uh, last minute trades and whatnot. Uh, quite a few trade deadlines that I have, unfortunately, have been passed. So. You know, those ones are kind of whatever you got, you got. But uh, many others, I'm hopefully to get some time on uh, Saturday to work a couple deals. But, yeah, I've just been crazy, crazy busy. So it's does feel like you're leaving a little meat on the bone in terms of not being able to, like, grind as many trades or be as absolutely active as possible. But, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. I, th- I know you probably feel the same way. Yeah. Did you try and dodge that bullshit game last night? Yeah, you know, one thing I, I, I did, that one thing I did do is um, at least after the first probably month of the season, I start, um, so I, I do have a spreadsheet that I track all my lineups. I literally set the lineup and then copy and paste and just paste it in like a Google sheet. Mm-hmm. And then you can you can sort later and it, it'll kind of tell you like, okay, I'm just do like control F and you just try, find how many times you're starting a player. But I usually will just, MFL is actually pretty good at, like you can just literally copy your lineup and paste it. Right. And then you have like a huge sheet of just like 400 names on a piece of paper. And it's basically all of your lineups just stacked on top of each other. And then I'll sort those. Uh, and then you can do like control F and find the Thursday night games. And so what I do is I usually look at, okay, all my lineups are set. How many players do I have going on Thursday night? And mm. For the last couple games, I mean, there's been quite a few bad Thursday night games this year. But like last night's game, I sorted those and I'm like, man, okay, I got 20. I think I I usually paste about 40 some lineups in that sheet. And I'm like, I have 20 players going last night. And, you know, six of them were like Devontae Adams. So I'm like, that's fine, you know. And then uh, like four Josh Jacobs, I'm like, those are fine. But then I stared. And I had three Derek Carrs, unfortunately. Uh, that, yeah. that was rough. But I honed in on the Rams, and I'm going, man, do I really even want to fucking start any Rams? And I actually pulled uh, my only Van Jefferson out at the last minute because I'm like, he can't possibly have a good game with Baker, right? And, of course, he ends up having, like, what, 20 points or something like that Yeah, because he gets that touchdown at the end. But, um, no, I pulled out uh, – I pulled out a couple Tyler Higbees, which was good. Uh, pulled out a Foster Moreau, which was good because, of course, he Lucky. gets a fucking zero. Yeah. But, yeah, I pulled out – I pulled, like, two or three of them out at the last minute just going, like, all right, I'm going to make the smart decision and fade the shitty-ass Thursday night game, which, right. for the most part, it was probably the right decision. But I sat some Cam Akers and, yeah, in a couple spots where it would have been, like, a – you know, give me a 10 points, you know what I mean? Like kind of like a, a hero zero RB thing. And I would have gotten 11.7 or whatever you got out of them. So I kind of whiffed on that, but what can you do? Right. I love how we get eliminated from our uh, main event and the acre scores three touchdowns. Thanks. Thanks buddy. Appreciate it. I mean, <laughs> let, listen, what, 
what we needed him for, he did last night. We would have just played him and been like, get us 10 points, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's what he would have done. So he wouldn't have helped you win, but he would have, you know, kept us up with uh, the rest of the group probably and not be taking. I mean, how many times this year did we take three, four, five, six points? We didn't even get 10 between two guys. Yeah. Right. But we were, there were games where we were taking three, four, five from each running back spot. Like we would have prayed to have 10 in each spot. So maybe we'll have to, you know, I don't want to say rethink that going forward, but it's just bad timing. Like, right. it was too late yeah, for Akers, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I had um, I had a Adams, Carr, Moreau stack. That was great in one league. But I think I already locked up my division and all that, and I think the first seed. So I was – it was whatever. I didn't get killed by him too many times. I was uh, going against Adams in a couple leagues, so I'm like, thank God, goodness I didn't um, – you know, he didn't go off for his usual, like, 25, 30. Um, I, I can live with him just getting 10 points. So that one worked out pretty good. I did have some Moreau's going. That was unfortunate that he got a zero. That kind of sucks. But, hey, it is what it is with, with these tight ends. It's like hit or miss. You're either going to get a zero, you're either going to get five points, or you're going to get 25. You know, there's, like, no in-between with, with these guys. So... Well, and who could have predicted that it was a game where the Raiders should have won? Derek Carr threw 20 passes. It was his worst, the worst passer rating performance of his career. Uh, Their neutral passing rate last night in the second half was like woefully low. So they literally just tried to run out the clock and they got burned. And, you know, we don't really talk a lot of like real NFL stuff on here. um, But I think that's a monumental loss for the Raiders. I mean, that's a loss that literally could change the trajectory of their franchise for the next couple of years. I'm not saying like they're going to fire McDaniels and they're going to dump Derek Carr. But, you know, we talked about it on the Patreon recap earlier this week. Like the Raiders are in a great position to have make a playoff run, you know, right. like they had this game and then, you know, they play the Patriots and the Steelers. If they would have just won this game, they essentially would control their own destiny with the Patriots and Steelers. They could knock both of those teams out of the race if they were to win. And then they end the year with the Chiefs, who, you know, that's their toughest game left. But the Chiefs could have first seed locked up by the end of the year. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like right. the, the Raiders could get in the playoffs. They had like 17 percent odds to make the playoffs. And now it's it's like five percent. And it's really dependent on some of the games that happen this weekend. The AFC playoffs this weekend are going to kind of shake out pretty clearly. You know, you have some teams that need to win and stay in it. And uh, you have a bunch of games between teams that are either in the playoffs or fighting for the playoffs or that are just playoff teams in general. So, but yeah, yeah big loss for the Raiders. And what do you, what do you think they do? Do you think this could be, cause I don't know if you watched, but it was just egregious conservatism by McDaniels, like just constantly just literally waiting for the clock to run out. And the Rams had that drive when they were down 16 to three, the the Rams had a nine minute drive where they were just running the clock. Like, it's almost like the Rams would have been fine with like, Oh, well we couldn't stop them at the end. We lost by six, but you know what, for, for what it was a quarterback that had only been there 36 hours, all good. We put up a good effort. You know, like it almost felt like the Rams were fine with that, and the Raiders still lost. I mean, just egregious. So, I mean, I mean when the happens? last time? When's the last time the Raiders even had a good defense? I'd have to like go back to the Super Bowl team in like 02. 
But yeah, honestly, what their defense wasn't even bad. They had three penalties on the last. Well, two I'm just drives saying in killer. general, though. When has their defense ever been good? Like they well, got to invest there. Too, yeah, you know. Yeah, just I'm just saying invest in these offensive players that don't work out. It wasn't why they lost. It was they, yeah. they, they, they. I think it just felt like it was one of those games where they thought they were going to be able to just coast, and then it started to slip away, and then it was like, man. The Rams are only going to get one shot, but they're going to take the shot. You know, what do they have to lose? So, right. yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a I, I was disappointed to see that as somebody that has been saying, OK, the Raiders can get Waller and Renfro back maybe next week and they have a shot to get into the playoffs. And it's actually could mean good things going forward for, you know, McDaniels and Carr and everything they have going. And this could be a just absolute go in the other way situation where they clean house. Like you can't lose this game. You can't lose this game against a team that I don't want to say isn't trying, but really isn't trying. They're starting a quarterback that literally wasn't on their roster. Like, did you see Jordan Rodriguez uh, discussion about Baker Mayfield? His only practice time, he got two different sets in practice uh, on Wednesday. He got to run two sets of 10 plays. That's it. That's the only action he had with the entire team in practice. So basically 20 reps. And I don't even know if those were like throwing reps or anything, but that's it. And he goes out and he literally beats you in a game and he beats you throwing on the last drive. Like all he could do is throw, you know, and he's throwing to fucking Ben Skoranek and Van Jefferson and Tutu Atwell. I mean, it's just, it's a fairy tale, man. Like that's like one of those, you could almost make a movie about that and it, I don't know. But yeah, the huge loss for the Raiders. I don't even know if I could talk about football if I was a Raiders fan. Just because not just that you lost, but how you lost, you know? Right. I mean, shit, that whole division, like the Raiders have been bad. Denver's been so bad. Like the Chargers are mediocre. Like I had Chargers like on the Super Bowl berth, you know, basically uh, this year. Kansas City's been good. But yeah, that whole division, you know, we all thought that was going to be Oh man, I want to watch every single game of that division this year. No, you don't. <laughs> no, yeah. you don't. Um, one other quick funny story. So, in one of uh, the Heisman leagues, I have John Wolford and Baker Mayfield. So I had Mariota on a bye, even though he's benched. Lamar's out, and Tom Brady I have, and Trey Lance is out for the year. Those are my quarterbacks. So I got to start between Wolford and Mayfield. So I see the uh, thing pregame, maybe like an hour before the game. You know, Mayfield looked like he took most of the first team snaps, you know, out there in warm-ups or something like that. I'm like, okay, so I put Mayfield in. I check back about 20 minutes before the game time, so about 8 Eastern, and I get the um, report on uh, NBC Sports Edge that says John Wolford uh took all the first team snaps in the pregame warmups there with the fir- with the first team center Brian Allen. I'm like, okay, so I got to put Wolford back in, no big deal. And Baker Mayfield starts and I get a big fucking zero for John Wolford. Thanks. Yeah, that's uh love it. I I did check right before the game too just to see and they hadn't really like no one had come out flat out and said this is what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like it right. it's amazing that you have a quarterback situation that you literally don't get any word on until you see the player take the field you know right but it's rare it it rarely happens but yeah i mean i went on that report that said wolford was doing it with the first team center and all that i'm like okay well that's fine i'll go ahead and 
put Wolford in. Looks like he's going to start. That, that made the most sense to me because Baker literally had, what, 20 plays of practice, like you said. Made most sense for him to do that. But The only well, way you would have known is literally having like a connection to somebody on the field that's like, yeah, they're t- they're treating Baker like the starter, but even then, like you wouldn't you wouldn't have known. So that's um, yeah, yeah, that's one of those where you I guess you just hope in the future you don't have to decide between Baker Mayfield and John Walford. But yeah. I get it, and you were in a pinch. Yeah, I really had no other choice. I I did bid on Brock Purdy in that league and got outbidded. I think somebody spent like the rest of their fab on him, so I didn't even have that option. So hmm. that kind of sucked. So what do you think about uh? What do you think about Baker's future here? Does this, um, from a dynasty perspective, is this a, we, we, you have a lot of Baker. I have no Baker. Will you sell some Baker? Yeah, somebody's willing to buy. Like, we we talked about it yesterday privately. Like, what is he worth now? Like, he's kind of like on the Trubisky path. Like, he's. Would you take a third? Yeah, I think I would take a third for him. I mean, I think there'll be people that would buy. I think I'm seeing a lot of people say, oh, you know, he might stick around and play next year. You know, the Rams might want to keep him, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I was just listening to uh, the Pick 6 show on CBS, and they were talking about the game, and really Baker was very bad last night. Like, Mm -hmm. he kind of got bailed out by the fact that he won, and it's a great story. Uh, But, like, a lot of his throws were off target. Like, he wasn't good, right? Mm. But you can also excuse some of that away by the fact, well, it was his first game. He doesn't even know the players he's playing with, right? Like he has a bad offensive line. He doesn't know the coach. Like he doesn't know any of that stuff. So, I mean, there were a lot of players that came out on Twitter and were like, yeah, this is impressive for a quarterback to literally go in and win a game. And really it was more the Raiders lost the game, but it just feels like there's, he's getting credit because he overcame a situation, which is, you know, commendable, but that doesn't mean he's, He's good. You know what I mean? Like, so I think it, it, it is a perfect time to use this as a way to sell and just sell as, Hey, he's going to get a shot to start next year. Cause I think if I ranked all the quarterbacks outside of the top 20 or so, the guys that aren't like locked in top 12 or guaranteed to get starting jobs next year. Like, I don't know if I'd put him even in like the top 15. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's a lot of guys that are backups now that might get a shot before him. There's a lot of guys that are starters that people would say suck that'll still get a shot before him. You know, like, I think the Andy Daltons of the world will get a, st- a shot before him or along the same range as him. So, yeah, like, and you can't you can't sell a lot of those guys even for thirds. So, I think you take yeah. the third if you can get him at least in some spots. Would you take, like, the Desmond Ritters and Malik Willis before him? Jordan Love? Yeah. Yeah, because those are different types of assets. Those are assets where, you know, we'll see what people start selling Ritter for as next week approaches, right? Like, I think there'll be no one really, I think, is trying to buy him right this second. But I I also think it's kind of not close enough to him taking the field for people to say, oh, let me, because you'll hear it a little bit next week. Let me, let me speculate on Ritter. You know, what if he's just better than we all thought and he can run? Like, there could be a way you could say you can make a profit by having Ritter. Same with Willis. Love, I mean, dude came in on, you know, a Monday night game and had a couple drives and made some passes. And all of a sudden, people actually think he's like an an asset they want to carry now. Before, if you had Jordan Love, it was like, dude, every time I go to look at my lineup, I wish I could get something for him, you know? Right, right. Like, I I, I know he's worth more than cutting him, but like, 
week four, when he has no shot at playing, you're almost like, damn, will someone give me a third? You know, like you love to throw a guy like that in a deal and get some credit for it. So yeah, I'd rather have those guys just because they do anything and that there's probably just more people coming to the table to buy them. Right. Yeah, so that's our uh, start to our week 14 so far. I, hopefully a lot of you guys are in position to make your playoffs, hopefully get a first-round buy because those first-round buys are going to be really, really big this year, I think. So if you have a position to get that, you know, go ahead and do it. Make those last-minute trades if you can. kind of sucks that Devontae Adams was one of the key ones to go out and get, and he kind of, if you did trade for him, he kind of, like, screwed you a little bit since we were kind of hyping him up and Kelsey and Amon Ra as guys to go and get. So kind of sucks if you went and got Adams and he only waited you at 10 points. That sucks. But um, Amon Ra, that was our top, my top receiver last week. That one paid off for you. So hopefully you guys went out and acquired some Amon Ra. I think he's going to smash the rest of the year too. So if you could still acquire him, I'd, I'd go ahead and do it. See what you can do to get Amon Ra St. Brown on your team for the rest of the year. I made an Adams trade. I did trade. Uh, okay. I traded. Actually, I'll just bring this up. I, let me get your thoughts on these deals. You're probably going to like one of them, not like another one, and maybe be neutral on a third, but we'll see. So I traded three Cooper Cup shares yesterday just because, you know, I think I think there's a there's a lot behind the whole Rams situation with Stafford and with McVay. Not saying Cup can't be good. But I do wonder, you know, what what is his value? Also, what is his ceiling if they were to have like Mayfield take over and it would be a different scheme or a different coach, you know, like there, I think there's some risk and you already know what his asset profile is. You know, he's going to be a 30 plus year old receiver. So, right. So I traded and these are all at least two of these deep leagues are really deep leagues. So like a lot of starters, you know, so getting a two for one, it's tough to get an equivalent player for Cooper Cup. Um the one that's not a deep league is just a 12 team start 10. I traded cup and what looks like the one Oh nine this upcoming year for Devonte Adams and the two Oh nine. So I paid and it's the same team that the, the, the two picks, one was their first one was their second. So it's guaranteed to be a 12 spot gap wherever they finish right now. It would be the one Oh nine. Yeah, so essentially I'm eating a round of, of draft pick tax to swap cup for Adams and you, you know, get Adams production the rest of the year. Yeah. Take, I like that. That's a good, and one. I'm already the number one seed. So luckily last night didn't hurt me. I mean, I yeah. started Adams, but it didn't kill me. I wish the Raiders would have won. Cause then they have something to play for. Um, although they do the, they do play the Patriots next week. So I do think they'll still McDaniels will still want to beat Belichick. I'm guessing, but, um, yeah, I was kind of hoping they won. But, yeah, I get Adams the rest of the year, and last night didn't hurt me. So I assume you're probably good with that price, just paying like a round tax, 109 to 209. Yeah, and you get the production for the rest of the year. And both assets, Cup and Adams, are like close to the same age, right? So you're not losing much age there either. Yeah, it's, it's less than six months difference. So they're essentially, for yeah. Dynasty, the same thing. They're going to be yep. – an acquired taste that you either sell when some you either sell when somebody wants them and you are out of the range where you want them or you need them or you just ride them out you know they become guys that you just wait until they're they're adam feeling you know what i mean their entire price is worth less than a second for years so you just use them until you can't anymore so that's probably where i end up with most of those guys anybody that's at 30 plus that's still productive so yeah. so you're good with and that I one yeah, and Adams has 
probably a more stable situation right now, you know, compared to what you were just talking about with Stafford. If Stafford's ends up retiring or he can't come back, if Sean McVay leaves, there's a lot of questions there for the Rams like you brought up. And I think Adams, you know, has a more clear opportunity there of the situation being the same. Like I could I don't I don't think they trade Derek Carr or get rid of Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr will still be the Raiders quarterback. Um so there has been be smoke that that's uh, that they'd move on from Carr, and that's Brady's final year. Yeah, I could see it. I mean, it nothing would shock me in the NFL anymore, to be honest. But if I had to put my money down right now on what the situation would be with the Raiders next year, it would it would still be Carr and Adams, and they just try and roll it back, and they got to try and get a better defense there. Yeah, I mean, it's we like to speculate on the funnest moves, you know, Brady going there or, you know, Rodgers. I saw a Rodgers getting traded to the Raiders, you know, stuff like that. But, yeah, well, odds are nothing really big like that happens. Maybe one or two big moves like that. So we, we think, like, there's going to be eight big quarterback moves, and usually it's just a couple of them. So that All was right. the first deal. The okay. second one was a deal where it's a 14-team start 12. Actually, both the other ones are 14 teams start 12. Okay. So losing losing cup in those is a big deal, but it's also it can be absorbed a little bit more as long as your other players get points. And the thing about those two leagues is one of them I have Burrow and Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott on the same roster. And then the other one I have Mahomes and Herbert. So like I have teams built exactly how I want. The quarterbacks are carrying me. So I traded... Uh, cup and a second what's like a mid second next year for Deontay Johnson Donovan Peoples-Jones and a 24 third so I got Deontay and DPJ in a start 12 I can start both Mm -hmm. and basically swapped a second and a third so and it's one of those where I look at I'm saying I'm probably taking a little bit of a hit production wise but it's a start 12. So like getting the two pieces and only downgrading from like, I'm still getting a pick back, right? Like I'm still getting a pick. Yeah. I mean the mid second in a, in a 14 teamer is probably not going to be that great. It's so, like the two Oh five, two Oh six. So it's, it's not a top 15. So pick it's, it's really, it's really like a two Oh seven, two Oh eight in reality. You know, if it was a regular 12 team league. Yeah, and I and I have one of those gutted running back rosters where I'm playing, you know, Ty Johnson, yeah. Zonovan Knight. So guess what? I'm probably picking at that mid-second, a running yeah, back, so, and I'm picking a running back at the third, too. So the picks don't really matter to me in that case. So it, right. it's kind of just Deontay and DPJ for cup. I can see it from your side of the of the fence where you're you want the two assets and start 12. I mean, you look at a 14 team league and you got to start, you know, these guys, those are really good assets to have to start. And right now you're not starting cup cause he's on the IR. So I don't mind it. Like I could see both sides like winning the, winning the deal. So I, I don't mind that one at all. I think, you know, for the rest of the year though, you're getting Deontay and DPJ and they're average wide receivers. They're like, if they get you 10 points, you're happy, you know, kind of kind of receivers. I don't think any of those two are going to just balloon up for these 25-point-per-game monster games or anything like that. So, you know, you just get your 10 to 12 from Deontay and DPJ weekly, I think you'll be happy. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a fair trade. 
Yeah, I, I like that one better than the other one I did because I think Deontay's good. He's just kind of stuck in a bad spot right now, but historically he's a pretty good producer. So right. the other one is the one where I kind of – the trade deadline was last night at right when the game started, and it was basically the only offer that I got. I've been trying to trade Cup for a month since he went down. So it's a 14-team start 12, two tight end uh, with point and a half premium. So the tight ends are a little harder to get. And I was actually starting, you know, shitty tight ends. I'm starting like Tommy Trimble or Mo Alley Cox. So that's like my tight end too. So I trade Cup for Mike Evans and Evan Ingram. So I'm really not getting it. I, I'm basically buying into another receiver that's 29 years old that also could have a fluctuating quarterback situation next year with Evans, who's not as good as Cup. But Ingram, I guess, is a guy I could play the rest of the year, and it upgrades me at tight end. But it's also a league where I'm dominating with just my quarterbacks, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So I, it's just a two-for-one. But that's like that's the kind of move you got to make. I don't feel good about that move as soon as the season ends. I'm going to be like, why did I make that trade? You know, because yeah. I don't think any of my guys that I'm getting have any resale value, but I'm also betting that I'm not sure Cup has a lot of resale value. Maybe if we get to August and nothing's changed with the Rams, he will. But I, I just feel like he's going to be one of those guys you're just going to have to sit on until next season, you know, to figure out where he's at. So, right, right. Yeah, that one's that one's about the same for me it's i'm about neutral on it like i can see it from your point of the view to get that tight end even though like evan ingram isn't like a top five six seven tight end at all you know he's, he's a like body the, and a start a, too yeah he's barely a tight end 12 you know 12 overall every week so that's fine and then Mike Evans, like, he's had a down year this year because Brady's just not throwing the ball downfield at all. It's all just a short, quick passing game because obviously their offensive line is decimated, and I don't know if Brady has the arm to go downfield as much as he used to. So I think that's really affected Mike Evans a lot this year. But, you know, Mike Evans can still have some games here down the stretch. Like, I don't think that's crazy. So, um, yeah, it's it's about equal, I'd say, or... You know, I don't really prefer either side, I guess. Yeah, and the lesson in those two trades is on paper, if I put that tw- that trade up on like a Twitter poll, it'd probably get crushed. But the context matters. Like, you know, in those super deep leagues, how hard it is to get a bunch of good starters, you know? It's not yeah. quite best ball, but it's kind of the same thing. Like, if you build your teams right, that's why I did that whole roster construction series and why it's fascinating when you talk about like 12 teams start 10. Because it's deep enough that you have to have good players, but it's not deep enough to where you need to ever worry about depth as long as you build your team right. But some of the leagues we're in, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 starters, like the trade values are all out of whack. You know, if you build your team and you have a stud tight end and two stud quarterbacks, it's almost like the skill players don't even matter that much. You know, you just need guys. You just need bodies. You're totally fine starting the Josh Palmers and, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones types. Right. And you're you're elated when you have, like, a Ty Johnson or a Chuba Hubbard, you know, and they're going to get a start. Like, that's worth a ton to your roster, yet, you know, 12 teams start 10 unless they're a spot starter. They're worth nothing. So it's just interesting how the format makes you much more likely to kind of understand, hey, I'm just going to break one asset into two or three. And I don't even really care how good the players are in that range. As long as I can keep getting enough bodies, it's like almost a, it's almost to the extreme, like in best ball, but not quite, but in a lineup form. So that's what those two deals were. 
and it just happened to be Cooper Cup. So I guess if anyone takes away from those trades, it's uh, you know, you can still get at least useful stuff for Cooper Cup, and I'm I'm okay doing it. Yeah, there's a lot to think about there with Cup, like you said about the situation with Stafford, McVeigh. There could be a lot of things that change that really, you know, Cup can go from top five dynasty wide receiver down to top 25 in a hurry. You know, he could fall pretty far pretty quickly if, if like, like Baker Mayfield's his starting quarterback next year. Like, if that's, you know, Stafford retires, they re-sign Mayfield, bring him in on a cheap deal, you know, two years, 20 million or something like that. Yeah, it could really, uh, it could really affect him for sure. I think it's more McVay. I think it's more McVay. I'm pretty confident whatever quarterback they get, the offense will still be. Let's get Cooper Cup the ball, right? Yeah. But I, I, I do worry if he's. I mean, uh, honestly, you have Cooper Cup in Dynasty. Mm-hmm. If he, if you take the Sean McVay offense away, what, do you even know what Cooper Cup is? He's just a really good like slot type receiver, kind of like a. A souped-up version of Adam Thielen, like when Adam Thielen was in his prime. Yeah, but then do you know? You have no idea what his usage is going to look like if he has a new offense. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. you just don't know. You you really don't know. So that's my worry. I'm confident whoever, if McVay comes back, he's either coming back with Stafford, or he's coming back with a quarterback that can do mostly what he wants. Like I'm, I don't think they're going to go into the season with the worst quarterback in the league. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm just I'm worried he comes back. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just more, this is just hedging my bets on, put it this way. If McVay says I'm rolling it back next year, we're running it back with Stafford and cup and Allen Robinson and all of these guys, we're going to try to fix our offensive line and free agency. And in the draft, then, okay. I can probably still buy back in on Cooper cup for mid first. You know what I mean? So it's like, what, what's the downside of trading your shares now and then buying back. That's why you play a portfolio. So just food for thought, but we can move on. Okay. Well, the next one I wanted to bring up was a question we actually got on Twitter from one of our listeners. So shout out to uh, bad trolling is his name on Twitter. Thank you for that. Um, he wanted to put a topic to us and it is at what point does production Trump draft capital slash profile uh, his example was, you know, what at what point did Amon Ross St. Brown pass Devontae Smith in dynasty value, or perhaps Chris Olave passing Chris uh, Chris London Drake London uh, would be another example from this twenty two class, and would love to hear your thoughts. So, what do you? Th- what's the first thing that comes to your mind when, when you hear that? Uh, well, I think the first thing is we have to kind of define how we're looking at draft capital, because the second example I could care less. The, the draft yeah, capital is not big. in London. Were yeah, the draft capital is not different enough, different enough for me to say that it really matters once they start. But producing. I think maybe maybe he was talking about maybe their fantasy value or their fantasy draft stock. Like London was like second overall, or Olave was like eighth overall. Maybe that's where he was going. Uh, I mean, I'll just say this, and this is something that we're going to talk a lot on the channel about over the next six months or so. Uh, we don't have a great way in Dynasty of measuring the pulse on a player in terms of public opinion. Like Keep Trade Cut does a good job of that. Like literally, you probably can look at Keep Trade Cut and use that more as a pulse of what people think about players, not their trade value, right? Because a lot of times we use Keep Trade Cut and we look at trades and we go, no one's actually doing that. 
you and I and a lot of us in the Discord and the Patreon, we play in enough leagues where we can pull something up on Keep Trade Cut and go, yeah, this is what KTC says this trade would be. And you're like, dude, we could go to a thousand leagues and that's not getting accepted in one of them. You know, so it's clearly something's driving those values and it's not actually what people are doing. It's perception. And I think there's value to that. It's like we talked about a couple months ago when we looked at the mock draft data and we could probably study that and say, okay, we may not be able to peg what players are going to be valued or where they're going to be drafted, but we can peg people's opinions on players. You know, why was this player who, and, and we could look at the, we could do a future show looking at the, um, the DD mock draft data, and we could look at players where they're going in the mock drafts relative to their NFL draft capital. And you're going, why are people continuing to take, take Bigsby in the second round of mock drafts? when the NFL mock drafts have him going like in the fifth round, like, like why, well, what is it, what is it about him versus these four other running backs that every site has them going ahead of tank Bigsby in the running, in the draft. Yet, why are they taking one over the other in a dynasty mock draft? So what does that tell you? It just tells you that there are, it's like, if I could click on a player kind of like you do on sleeper, you see their picture, you see their profile, you almost have a separate category. That's like, uh, dynasty momentum you know what i mean like public perception of this player and i think that's to get back to my full point that's what drove chris lave behind drake london quite simply there's there were reasons and we can cite those reasons whether it's one was an one was an early declare one wasn't you know one was the alpha on his team one wasn't whatever you want to say there were reasons where people just go i like drake london better and so they just drafted them higher. But the profiles aside from some of those things were like, okay, they were both drafted really, really close together in the NFL draft. I don't think their situations were that much different, or at least we didn't think so. And then, you know, they start producing. So I think what drove those two is just perception of player. And that's worth something, right? We use the example of David Bell. I took a lot of David Bell. I don't know how much David Bell you took, but you probably took a couple, right? Yeah, I have a couple, but being a Browns fan, you would have thought I would have took more, but no, I have like two. I was yeah. pounding running backs in those you were. around, you were. so I didn't. I don't have many of those second, third round receivers. Like I don't have a lot of Alec Pierce, Wandale Robinson, John Mechies, you know, those types that were going in that uh, range. Well, and, and that's probably smart from looking at like what should you be taking in those ranges versus the bets that you're making on those receivers when they're like round three picks. Like, I think that's a mistake that I made, but I'll justify it by saying, you know why I took as many David Bell as I did? And I didn't take a ton. I took like six David Bells, but you know why I took six David Bells? Because I know there's a lot of people out there that liked David Bell three years ago and they liked him last year and they liked him coming into the draft. And they justified that they still liked him after he went in the third round. So I know there's a lot of people out there that are like, okay, I'm going to still keep buying in on David Bell. Maybe if, maybe it's, I really like him if he goes in the second, but if he goes in the third, I still like him. And that's the kind of person that I know that's the, that's where I can sell him. If all he has to do is go out and have a decent game or do something in the preseason. And then there's players that are the opposite of David Bell. Nobody's even heard of. They go in the third round, you know, Velas Jones. I know that was one you hated. Now he's a little bit of an outlier because his profile is like really doesn't exist. But Tyquan Thornton, he got drafted way higher than David Bell. No one really heard of him. 
unless you're in Debbie circles or, you know, you, you follow things a little bit deeper, but the casual person goes, who the hell is that? You know? And then as he starts to pick up a little momentum, it's like, remember he got injured before the season even started. And that's like, oh, he's dead. Like, there, like there's, there were no outs for Tyquan Thornton, even after he had his big game against the Browns. How many people out there on Twitter did you see go by Tyquan Thornton for a second? Did you ever see anybody say that? No, not really, no. Okay, now, it, Wandale Robinson had that game. What would you have heard? Oh, oh dude, yeah. this guy's yeah. the next dominant slot receiver. You know, he's going to be the outlier. David Bell went out and had, you know, nine for I, 80 and a touchdown. Oh, man, he's the next Keenan Allen. You know what I mean? We could have got that with Wandale, but the his big game, he broke his foot or whatever. Or towards yeah, ACL. Towards ACL. Yeah. But, but you get the point. I think that's something we don't study enough. And it's probably because there's not a lot of uh, there's not a good way to to measure it. But I do think when you get in certain ranges of the draft, the reasons players go where they are is just simply because perception. And I think a lot of times as dynasty managers, when you're drafting players, you sit there and you go, "Okay, I don't like any of these players. They're all the same from a profile, from a draft capital standpoint. But what's the tiebreaker? What's the tiebreaker of drafting, uh, I don't know, like take last year, Tyrion Davis-Price or Zamir White? Neither of them have done anything. But what was the tiebreaker? I'd probably say a lot more people had Zamir White ranked higher in their, you know, rankings. And they know who he is. And they know who he is playing And he was a big-time recruit. Yep. I mean, Tyrion Davis Price had a decent name, but it was not like Zamir White. Yeah, I agree. Well, but it was also, guess what? We thought we knew where one should go, and we mm-hmm. also thought we knew the other one should go behind the first one. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going to get with this. Yeah, that we think we know everything when we really don't. Like, there's so much things that change in the NFL every single year. Like, oh, I know this guy's really good, and I know this guy's really bad. I'm guilty of it myself. I know you are, too. Like, how many Christian Watson shares did me and you have combined after the uh, rookie drafts this year? I only had one, and I traded it within a month. Because he was I, injured, I had zero. So yeah, that's combined, we had one. Yeah, yeah. So that's just showing you, you know, two guys who play in well, combined over a hundred dynasty leagues or a hundred leagues total, and we took one share of that of Christian Watson, and he arguably might be the rookie of the year this year. Obviously, yeah, it was because of his touchdowns and all that. But And it was probably bad process for us to say, okay, right. that's basically you and I combined saying that there's only a 1% chance that we're wrong. And, yeah. And then another one that comes to my mind that we did this on was Hollywood Brown, at least on my part. And I think I had yep, one share and you had you only had – I think you were – is either you or me were actively looking for a like orphan team that had him on it just so we'd had like one share of him because we didn't take any of them because he was too small. Remember, he was too small and he's on Baltimore and you know doesn't have a quarterback. Yep. So you know we're guilty of that. And now look at you know Hollywood was just fine in Baltimore. Like he wasn't like a you know a dud or anything like that. He was pretty decent in Baltimore. Now he's with Arizona. So, you know, these, these things can change on him and and we're just wrong on some guys. Sometimes I was wrong on Christian Watson. I was wrong on Hollywood Brown. I was wrong on, 
you know, Daniel Jones letting him fall to like the end of the second in some drafts. Like I definitely should have taken some more of him, even though, you know, he hasn't had the greatest career at all, but for where I would have gotten him, hell, I would have made some profit there. Um, I'm sure there's tons of other guys I can go through and think about. So, and then, you know, production wise, so the Amon Ra versus Devontae Smith thing. Obviously, Devontae Smith, first round pick, high high draft capital, Amon Ra, fourth round pick. And Amon Ra has just smashed it, man. He's been, they had a role in mind for him. He has smashed it unconsiderably the last two years, even this, you know, this year as well. So he's killing it right now. And, and Devontae just, he got pigeonholed into this offense where he was last year, he was the number one, but was he really ready for that role? Probably not. Now A.J. Brown's there. He can do the um, wide receiver two role on that team really, really well, and he has been, but still not Amon Ra production. So what's the difference there between uh, Amon Ra and Devontae for you? Well, my answer to this, I think, is going to be kind of similar to what I already talked about, but I think when you're looking at receivers especially, there's a lot of data on receivers to tell you who's good and who's not then you have to adjust for their situations. I think it's that simple. Like you can pick what you want. There's a lot of people that do wide receiver research. Like that's probably the most popular thing that people talk about. So there's not a shortage of being able to find a lot of this data, but you can pretty much go through. I mean, I've developed my own process. It's not perfect, but I've developed a process to basically say, these guys are good receivers. And that's aside from their situations. So it's literally looking at, Who's getting the ball? What are they doing when they get the ball? And what is that relative to the rest of their peers and within their own team? So once you isolate that, you can pretty much go, I mean, you can pretty much say Amon Ross St. Brown is a top 10 receiver in the NFL. Devontae Smith isn't. So I could care less when they were drafted. We have enough data to say Amon Ross St. Brown is clearly a better receiver than Devontae Smith. Then you have to sit, then you have to adjust for their situations too, right? Then you have to look at their quarterback situation, the efficiency of their offense, all that stuff comes into play. Now, Devontae is probably going to be, the only thing he's going to have over Amon Ra is going to be maybe the overall efficiency of the offense, but actually Detroit's offense this year is like top six. They've had some a couple games where they had complete duds, but other than that, they've been a good offense. So then you look at that and you go, well, how much of that, how much of that is because Amon Ra is good? And how much is it because the offense is good? You know, it, they work it hand in hand. So I almost think you look at it. Once you isolate what receivers are good, I could give you the list. I could say, Eric, here's my top 30 receivers in the NFL. And here's the marks that they hit. You're going to look at those names and you're going to go, well, there's ones that I want. And there's ones I don't want in there. I'd tell you DJ Moore is a top 10 receiver in the league. You'd go, I don't want him in the top 10 and if I have to pay a top 10 price, obviously. Deontay Johnson's a top 15 receiver in the league. You don't want to pay top 15 price for him. Yeah. Uh, Debo. I know you don't like Debo and he's always up there. Same thing. Man, this year he's not, he's not, but, but the point is I could give you names and I could go, listen, everything I'm looking at tells me that DJ Moore is a top 10 receiver in the league. And you're going to go, well, no, he's not. And you're not wrong because his production really has never matched that. But really now what you're saying is that you don't like his situation. So you're adjusting his price up or down based on that. There's other guys that people love. And then you look at their numbers and you go, that guy's not that good. But okay, yeah, he's, his, his quarterback is Justin Herbert. 
you know, okay, but I'm going to like that guy a little bit more. So you adjust up and down based on the situation. But I, especially when you get to the off season, it, I'm interested in buying the good receivers. I'll make my adjustments on the situation a little bit later once I know exactly what it's going to be. Because how many how many situations would you have faded this year? We talked about it last week. You and I faded the hell out of DK Metcalf because guess what? DK Metcalf's on the top twelve list of good receivers, but dude, he's going to be on the Seahawks with Geno Smith, right? So there's no way I want to buy into him at that price because his situation sucks until it doesn't. So you can you can buy into a guy and go, yeah, man, his situation's great. He's great, but then what if his situation's bad next year? He's still great, but then he's going towards the Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore range. So I think that that's the answer, and, and that's for receivers. I think we have a really good process of figuring out what receivers are good, which ones aren't. I want the good ones. And then you have to determine, do you want to overpay for the ones that are in that are good and in great situations, or do you want to buy low on the guys that are good but in bad situations and bet that they – you know, they regress back towards being positive. So I think with receivers, it's easy. And I, I'm honestly like, does it change for you at quarterback? Aren't you very confident evaluating quarterbacks in dynasty too? Don't you kind of yeah. know who you want and who you don't? Yeah. Quarterbacks, the top, top, you know, tier receivers. I definitely know tight ends are the fucking crap. Shoot. It's like, I just want Kelsey and Andrews and I don't want anybody else. Well, and then running backs, let's just pick, give me an Amon Ra and Devonte Smith example at running back. Can you think of names that kind of fit the same thing? Maybe the one was drafted higher, but one is better. Can you think of any? I think one this year would be, um, I'd say maybe Saquon and Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs has been better than Saquon this year. I mean, it's it's close, but it's not like not egregious as, as Devontae and, and Amon Ra is, but. So how about draft capital-wise, from, like, 2021, Travis Etienne or Ramondre Stevenson? Yeah, that's another good one. Now, I think we would take Etienne, but you would agree it's a lot you If you ignored everything you knew about those players, it's probably a lot closer than you would admit, right? Right, yeah. But yet there's still some bias that's milked into their profiles, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, I honestly, I'll just ask you this, and this is we play Dynasty a little bit differently. If you have Ramondre Stevenson or you have Travis Etienne and they're already on your roster, do you really even care which one you have? No. Like, are really. you really going to somebody and being like, oh, man, I'm going to give you a couple seconds to switch those around? You know what I mean? That's not how yeah. we play. So I, yeah. I think when it comes to running backs, honestly, unless I'm getting a super stud, I, I don't really care. As long as I'm getting a good running back, I don't really care which one has the draft capital or, you know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm just kind of fine with one in that bucket and then I'm good. Right. So whereas the receivers are different. The receivers, if I can, if it's the same price for... Amon Ra or Devontae Smith, I, give me the one that has the better situation. Give me the one that I think's better, you know? So I think that's the difference between the two positions. I'm going to always look for the better players at receiver, whereas running backs, I'm, I'm just focused on the fantasy production and who's in the, the bucket of usability for the way I'm building my team. Yeah, the running backs, I think, are pretty easy. Wide receivers, yeah, I mean, I think everybody has their biases on who they like and don't like, like, Ray loved Drake London, but he hated Chris Olave. 
he was definitely taking London over Olave. And in hindsight, he probably they're probably a lot closer than, you know, that two to eight ranking that we were talking about, like uh, for the top eight in rookie drafts last year. So, well, here's, I'll give you a couple examples at receiver though, that it's not even rookies. So I, I I pulled up my receiver data while we were talking and both of these guys are valued extremely highly in dynasty. But when I tell you their names and then I tell you that basically they're down in a range that, that say they should not be top 12 dynasty receivers. Cause I think in dynasty we have like chase and Jefferson. And then we have like this next tier where everyone wants to get those guys, but they don't, and they want them because they're very good, but they also know they don't have to pay the Jefferson or chase price. Like they don't have to pay the three first. Like, can they get one of these guys for a first, a second and a throw in, you know, like the, the AJ Brown, that, that range. Right. They think they can pay a little bit cheaper. There's two guys in that range that if you look at all their data and it's a little bit skewed because they have one thing in common. They both left a game early this year and get credit for the game played, but not really any stats. So that hurts a little bit. Uh, But in this list, Jalen Waddle, wide receiver 30. And again, I'm trying to measure how good, how efficient the receiver is with their usage and how many you know, how many targets they earn, right? So Jalen Waddle, wide receiver 30. Uh, T. Higgins, wide receiver 35. Now, really, both of those guys are very good. Top, easy top 15 dynasty receivers, right? Oh, yeah, easy. But why are they so far ahead? Why are they worth so much more than Devontae Smith, than Brandon Ayuk? And Marquise Brown. All, all the guys I'm giving you are under 25 years old. Why are those guys seen as like a clear tier or two above? Just justify it. I think draft capital for the real NFL. I obviously Waddle was the sixth overall pick. Higgins was 34th, I believe. So they had high draft capital. And I think a lot of it has to do with what quarterback they're attached to. T Higgins has Joe Burrow. Uh, Jalen Waddle has Tua, who's been really efficient and playing really good this year. And last year he absolutely smashed, had over a hundred catches and was really, really good in his first rookie year. So and Higgins was really good in his first year too. So I think just both of those guys have shown that they can be, you know, top 15, 20 fantasy wide receivers already. You know, and nothing's really changed about that. I mean, you're right, but Hollywood Brown has Kyler Murray. He's a top eight dynasty quarterback. Devontae oh. Smith has mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts. He's a top eight dynasty quarterback. Right. I agree I, with those. I, I'm, 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 I, I agree with you. They should be valued where they are. Mm-hmm. But there's a big difference if somebody comes to me and says, hey, I'm willing to give you Hollywood Brown in a first for Jalen Waddle. That's a deal I would consider because I really can look at both of those profiles and say, OK, part of Jalen Waddle's current market value is milked into the fact that he's just coming off a year where he was really good as a rookie and he was a high pick. Like that yeah. absolutely matters. You nailed that. But being a top 10 pick, that's stuck in people's minds, right? Yep. But you know what? If if you fast forward like two years and then you look at Jalen Waddle's career and you're like, damn, he's kind of like Marquise Brown. Like he's probably a little bit better, but not enough to where it's like you're 
bad in the first to go do that deal. Mm. So I think that there there are biases milked into those players, and a lot of times it's just, oh, okay, one of them's thirty, one of them's twenty five, and one of them's twenty three. Okay, is that right, do you really true. care that much? Yeah, no, because they're still gonna they're still in the primes of their careers, so I don't think it really matters that much. I, and I think that that's the type of thing that you can sometimes get away with doing. And if you can identify the places where you're going to be a little uncomfortable, race has it all the time, you know, play in the range where you're uncomfortable about doing the deal, but you trust the process that you're following. Mm-hmm. Like that's the type of process where if I just told you, and you may not be able to get this deal. Like if you're playing with, if we're playing like in leagues with each other or with our patrons or if from DD, like you're probably not going to get the, get a couple of these deals, but I can just sit here and go, okay, I have Jalen Waddle and T Higgins on a team and someone's willing to trade me Devonte Smith and Marquise Brown. And they also give me a future first and I get a four for two. Basically I do that all the, all day. Cause I stay within my roster construction, but I'm still getting two really, really good receivers. Just for some reason they don't have the value. And I think part of it is that there's some bias, but here's the thing. You would probably argue that Devonte Smith shouldn't be valued any higher than he is. Why? Because he has AJ Brown on his team, right? Okay, well, Waddle has Tyreek, so the same argument can be made for literally every other one of those guys. Okay, well, he has another good receiver by him. Yeah, Yeah. but we have guys that have that that for their their situation, and yet we value some and we don't value others. So it's it's just very interesting the psychology, and if you can figure out what's driving a player's value. Like all the data says this guy's good, but the community doesn't like him. Why? There's some value into leaning into that, but then there's also value in having the players that everyone loves. Mm-hmm. Like if you have T Higgins or Jalen Waddle, guess what? You have an asset people in your league want to deal and get. All right. You have a uh, shot with a lot more flexible deals because you have those guys versus as soon as you make that trade and you're sitting on Deontay Johnson and Marquise Brown, guess what? To a lot of people, those guys are yesterday's news. I don't want them. They're not that good. So you're kind of like now you're invested and you're stuck with them on those rosters because you can't move them for what you know they're worth, even though you know they're really good players. Right. So just a quick little glance at at keep trade cut here. Where do you think Devontae Smith is rated right now? Hmm. Top 20. Nope, he is just outside of it, 22nd. 22nd, okay. And there's a lot of names that are above him. I'm like, man, what the hell? Like, I'd take these guys above him. Where do you think Jalen Waddle is? Jalen Waddle. This one surprised me. Uh, Wide receiver, seven. Close. Wide receiver, number four. Wow, okay. They have him above Lamb, St. Brown, Tyreek, Olave, Wilson. Like Diggs I mean, is wide receiver ten. Above Lamb One. is insane. Lamb Lamb is Lamb is the only other receiver in Dynasty that has the potential. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you could say maybe AJ Brown, but Lamb I think is the only receiver in Dynasty that would have a chance to get close to the Chase Jefferson tier. So that's that's pretty crazy to me to see him above lamb and that kind of just speaks to how much people like waddle and yeah that's that's pretty crazy to see him that high right i agree that's kind of why i was like hmm that's an interesting point to bring up 
And like I said, Amon Ross uh, sixth, Tyreek seven, Olave's eight, Wilson's nine. I mean, Olave and Wilson are even higher than what I had them coming into the season. I think I had Wilson at fourteen. That was my highest. Um, like they're above like Stephon Diggs, above T Higgins already. Like I think we might just be getting a little ahead of our skis on that one. Like Drake London, like everybody loved him. He's down to wide receiver fourteen. Cooper Cups at wide receiver fifteen. Jamison Williams, you know, I'm as big as Jamison Williams fan as anybody. He's still wide receiver sixteen, and he hasn't done anything. Uh, Christian Watson's up to wide receiver seventeen now, and these are all above, all above Debo, Godwin, Devontae Smith, Hollywood Brown, DJ Moore, DJ Moore's wide receiver twenty six. So just kind of crazy to see, to see some of these rankings. Wow, Deontay Johnson is wide receiver 35, Deontay Johnson. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, the two biggest ones, obviously, are DK or uh, Marquise Brown and DJ Moore. Like, those, those guys are mm-hmm. extremely good, and they're just, I think people are a little, maybe not so much Marquise Brown because he's been pretty good this year, but it, it's just interesting how we are so biased towards the fantasy results to determine if these guys are good or not. When the reality is there's, I mean, this is why I talk about the receivers. Like I do in clusters, in tiers, like as one big, like threshold, because really I see receivers as like, you're either good or you're not. And we define good in different ways, mm. but once you're good. And once you're in that like group of good, you're, you're literally just starting to be defined by your fantasy production, which is driven by a lot more than what your, your, your talent is or your skills are. So, yeah, it's just interesting to see those flows, but I bet you you could use that keep trade cut data if you were able to graph it over time. Mm. You'd be able to see kind of like where players' biases are in terms of like liking a guy. You know, if you see a player that keeps spiking up at different times, kind of could tell you some information that, hey, the community loves this player. Anytime they do anything, there's going to be a sell window. You know, like that, that there is some merit to playing Dynasty that way because you want to have those assets during those periods. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you look on uh, Keep Trade Cut, they have a little chart, you know, that they chart of a a player over a six-month span, basically. If you just hover over their name, it shows you their value. You know, a lot of these guys at the top here have gone up and down, up and down, uh, some a lot more ups. Uh, C.D. Lamb had a big drop at one point uh, before the season, and now he's back all the way up here. So kind of interesting just to see it, uh, how it, how it shakes out. Yeah, we'll talk more about this, the psychology of uh, players, especially when rookie draft time is perfect because, you know, Ray will talk a ton about prospects. But one thing I'll even give Ray credit for that him and I have had long conversations about has been the psychology of dynasty managers. Hmm. Like if I literally could just get an idea of the, the pulse on every player, once you get to a certain point in rookie drafts after, let's say, the first eight picks or so, maybe a little bit later, just draft the guys that have positive momentum in terms of like popularity and fanhood. And if you just use that rule and you just forgot about whether you ever hit on a player being good or not, literally just using the rule of, hey, I want to have as many players that everyone likes because we're so reactive now that it doesn't even take like a good game that's productive for fantasy during a season. It can be a training camp highlight. It can be a preseason play. 
it can be an article and a reporter writes about a player and how good they're looking, how great they're picking up the offense. Like all of that can literally help, but you have to have the right players. You know, you, you read an article like that on a player, everybody is already going gaga over value vaults up. You read a report on that on the seventh round running back. No one's ever fucking heard of. No one cares. Oh, that's just a puff piece. They're pumping up their draft pick. He's not any good. You know, like literally that stuff happens. So if you just could invest in the ones where, hey, I'm holding all of the live assets, play like that. You can turn it into points with the way that people are so reactionary now, and that's how they trade. Yeah, I agree with all that. We can definitely discuss some of that um, on our future episodes as well. So uh, speaking of, uh, you were kind of talking a little bit about the 2023 draft prospects. Um, I know they did it on the Wake Up Show uh, Friday morning, but I figure we can talk a little bit about it as well. So Mel Kuyper released um, a mock draft and his top 10 at each position in the draft so far. So I just kind of wanted to go over this list and, and get, you know, both of our thoughts on this. So we'll start at quarterback here first. Uh, the number one quarterback he has listed on here for um, for the quarterback position is Will Levis from Kentucky. So, you're, you know, you're a guy, my guy. We both like him a lot. Number two, he has Bryce Young from Alabama. Three, C.J. Stroud, Ohio State. Four, Anthony Richardson, Florida. Five, Jaden Daniels, LSU. That one kind of surprised me and kind of scares me at the same time because I just don't think he's very good. Hendon Hooker is six from Tennessee. Jaron Hall, BYU, seven. Jake Hayner from Fresno State, number eight. Stetson Bennett, number nine from Georgia. And Tanner McKee, number 10 from Stanford. And just missing his list were Bo Nix from Oregon, Max Duggan from TCU, and Tyson Bagnett from Shepard, which is uh, he's a pretty interesting uh, prospect a little bit too. Somebody I want to look into a little bit more. But what are your first thoughts about these this top 10? I mean, for me, quarterbacks are probably the position that I'm most likely just to let everything play out and reevaluate once you see where they're drafted, their situation. I mean, we've talked a lot about what is a good situation for a quarterback and what's not. And before it used to be, okay, let me draft the guy that I know is going to be a guaranteed shot to start. And then our tunes change a little bit because we've seen quarterbacks start and then they're not good. And you see what happens to their dynasty value. And again, this kind of speaks to what we were talking about earlier. You get a guy like Zach Wilson last year. No one likes Zach Wilson. He gets thrown into the fire and then he sucks. What happens to his dynasty value? He sucks. But you have other guys that get thrown into the fire and they suck, but people like them. So they're going to justify why he sucked. You're going to say, oh, it was this. Oh, it was that. And sometimes you're right. Sometimes you're not. But, you know, that's my only thing with Will Levis is a lot of people don't like Will Levis. They're just convinced he's bad. Because they evaluated him and they don't think he's good. So, I mean, I've, I've literally heard a couple podcasts. I won't say any names, but they're literally sitting there going, the NFL's wrong. What are they looking at? I've watched Will Levis. He stinks. And they, they're they going to draft him in the top 10 because of blah, 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 and they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And they might be right, but that kind of talk, especially when it comes from bigger platforms, people remember that. You know, people are going to look at you and go, oh, you drafted Will Levis at the 107 in your rookie draft. 
ha ha ha, you're the sucker. You know, so you already know whether he's good or not, or at least I don't want to say whether he's good or not. What it would take for that person to buy into him is going to probably be enough to where they need to see all you need to see to where you're going, I'm not trading him. You know, like he's probably got to go out and smash for like two years before that person's like, okay, he's finally a decent quarterback. Mm Kind of like we might have been on Tua, right? We didn't think Tua was a top 10 dynasty quarterback. Now that he is, you're kind of like, okay, I'll, I want to buy Tua. The person that's had him goes, oh, I've always believed in him. You know what I mean? I'm not trading him. Mm. So it just feels like you don't want to buy into those guys. You know, like you you want to buy into the guys that pe- you know people will like, especially because there's a lot of risk at quarterback. Like it's really hard for any of the – I mean, what would you what would you say right now, any of the top four, so Levis, Richardson, Stroud, and Bryce Young, how much would you bet – that by the end of next year, one of those guys is valued as a top 10 dynasty quarterback. I'd probably say, I don't think any of them will be, to be honest. Okay. Top eight. No, not top eight. Top six. No, not top six. Okay. Now really, where's your cutoff? Like we're right now, we're looking at like 12 quarterbacks that we want in dynasty and that's it. So it's a pretty high bar for one of these guys to hit that range. So it's already kind of a long shot for them to immediately jump into that, you know, they're, they're the next Justin Fields. You know what I mean? Like that's, it could happen, but that's not something I'm going, Oh, I'm confident that's going to happen. So really a lot of what you're drafting when you draft these guys at their price, and that's another thing that does, does matter is their price. But part of what you're drafting is the ability to flip them later. Cause you don't want to bet that, you know, CJ Stroud is going to become Dak Prescott. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to bet that you already know that's, probably not a great bet to make it's not a 50 50 bet it's probably more like 25 75 at best so which one would you rather hold when there's you know the ability to trade you know like Mm -hmm. it's probably it's not will levis so that's just kind of how i see the quarterbacks it's just fascinating to see the people's opinions because it's very polarizing Right. I'm just going to read this little expert from uh, his column here. He says, when he went through all of Kentucky starts earlier this year, he was really impressed with Levis's game. Levis has a rocket launcher for an arm and makes some wow throws. That has gotten the Penn State transfer into trouble at times, but it's clear watching him that he believes he can fit the ball into any window. His comparison for Will Levis is Matt Stafford. What do you think about that? I mean, Stafford did go number one overall, and he was very, he was erratic in college, but I mean, mm-hmm. I can see the comparison. And that'd be interesting because it, I, I think people would, I mean, that would be a slam dunk where he's going to go in rookie drafts, you know, anything close to that. Now, I was talking to this to Ray the other day. Like, if out of these four quarterbacks that we, you know, consider to be high, high prospects, probably go in the first round. I think Levis, Bryce Young, and Anthony Richardson, I think I would put those three to have the chance to go number one overall. I don't think C.J. Stroud would be considered for number one overall over these guys. I think one of these three would be the be the first overall pick. You talking NFL draft-wise? Yeah, NFL draft-wise. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I... I... It would be very interesting to see. I actually think I was listening to a show and they were talking about Anthony Richardson does is at least on the board as being a potential number one overall pick. Hmm. So that there's odds, that means there's somebody out there that's determined, okay, there's a there's something in our research or 
you know, are, are coming up with like our, our odds, you know, there's an actuary out there going, okay, there's, there's a path. Maybe it's a one out of 10,000 path that someone drafts Anthony Richardson 101. Mm-hmm. So they have to put odds up there. You know, it's not like it's yeah. one of those, I mean, yeah, once the odds get so long, they don't even bother to make it available, but there's something out there where they're going, yeah, there's, there's, there's a path here. So I kind of agree with you. Kind of agree with you. It'd be wild, but yeah, I agree. I I think if I had to choose a quarterback at number one overall, I think I would go Bryce Young. I think the only thing with Bryce Young that he's obviously going to be knocked for during the draft process is his size. He's probably not six foot. He's probably going to have a hard time ever getting to 200 pounds. But, you know, he's very smart, really good arm. You know, he has a really good quick release. He's very accurate. I think he is smart enough to, like, not take those, like, Robert Griffin hits. Like, he's not going to be out there just taking shots or anything like that. He can run the ball. So, obviously, that's one thing about most of these guys is most of them can run. So, that's a new hybrid quarterback that, you know, that position of quarterback, you need them to run the ball nowadays. And all of these guys have it. Stroud is probably the one that's a little iffy on that. Like, he can do it, but he's going to get you maybe 100, 150 yards at most. Like, it's not going to be a lot. But Levis can get you 300. Anthony Richardson, who knows? He could have, he could be like Cam Newton almost, like get you 700, 800 yards maybe a little less than that, 500, 600, and then he can be a hammer at the goal line just because of how big he is. Bryce Young, I think he can get you from anywhere from 300 to 400 rushing yards, a couple rushing touchdowns here and there, but he's not going to be like taking the hits or anything. So I like seeing that, that we have a lot of these quarterbacks on this list that can run the ball. So I like that. Yeah, something we'll have to probably uh, look more at is – when you when you are when you get below a certain threshold from from rushing ability, it isn't even really about running ability anymore. It's about you know finding the opportunity in the pocket to get out of the pocket and run. Right. Like that can be the difference between you know two or three fantasy points per game. You know, I know I'm a little bit of a homer, but like this is something Burrow does really good. Burrow's not that athletic. He's athletic, but he's no more athletic than C.J. Stroud. Yeah, and he gets you an extra two points on the ground every single week in rushing yards, it seems like. But it's because he it's because he how he moves in the pocket. He right. finds the holes and runs. Like that's it's a it's a skill, you know, and that's something that I've watched Will Levis every game he's played. That's mm-hmm. not, not a skill. I don't I'm not sure he has that skill necessarily. So I don't right. care how athletic he is, he's not a running quarterback. He's a quarterback mm-hmm. that can run. Yeah. But a lot of his running opportunities are gonna be okay, can he get out of the pocket and turn you know, five of those scrambles into 45 yards. And there'll probably be more opportunities where he can run. He's not, you know, he's not a guy you won't run at all, but he isn't a running quarterback. So the mobility, I think, is probably more needs to be looked into in terms of how they manipulate the pocket and run versus how athletic they are. I don't care about, like, Will Levis' 40 time. Yeah, I don't care mm-hmm. if it's, like, four six five or four eight five. Who cares? Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that's that's another thing we we get wrong when we're looking at running. Okay, a guy's fast. It's something I've heard people say about Desmond Ritter. He runs a four five, but let's just watch and see how much he actually runs. Because right. if he doesn't run a lot, who cares how fast he is? I mean, sure, when he when he runs, he's going to look fast. 
but there's a big difference between watching like him and his four or five versus Jalen Hurts's. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's another thing that we don't factor in. We just look at speed and athleticism and go, yeah, oh, this guy can run. But then you look at him on the field and you go, you know, have you ever watched a mobile quarterback? And then you go, why the hell doesn't he run? Right. Yeah. It's like Kyler this year. He, he can run. He can clearly run for 700, 800 yards. He just not running this year at all. Yeah, and I, I mean that's not something. Russell I, Wilson I think... too was another one that was doing that. Like he was, he was be able to run five hundred, six hundred yards, and he just like stopped. Yeah, Dak Prescott, same thing. Well, yeah, I think that had a lot to do with the ankle, but yeah, I get your point. Well, but I mean, you can also argue that well, you know, if you can pass the ball like Dak or Burrow, why run? You really don't want to run unless you pick your spots and you go, damn, I got 10 yards here in front of me. Then I'm going to run, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it it is something we need to be a little more uh, cognizant of what, okay, I don't, athleticism, I think athleticism matters a lot less when we're talking about the non-Anthony Richardson types. For, for the other three, it's going to be more of, you know, the system that they're in and their ability to figure out. Otherwise, they're not really a cheat code. They're just, okay, maybe he can give me 30 yards rushing, which is, I mean, that's nothing mm-hmm. in today's game. You got to be able to do that. Now, I, I kind of shit on him a little bit when I went to this, but do you think Jaden Daniels has a chance if he does get like maybe third round draft capital? Is some is that somebody you would take? Because I'm looking at his rushing stats. Last year he had 710 yards rushing at uh, Arizona State, and this year so far he has 818 rushing yards. And then I was looking at the guy below him as well, Hendon Hooker. About 600 yards um, this year as well. So are those kind of guys that you would maybe be willing to take some shots on? Because me and you usually, like, if you're not a top 50 pick at quarterback, we don't really we don't really want you. But maybe because these guys can run the ball, maybe you'd be willing to take the, the chance on them if they fall to, like, the second round, third round in your rookie drafts? I think once we're down into this range at quarterback, like I think we can kind of stop talking about them. So I'll I'll actually turn the question over to you. Well, let's say that's the case, and we have because uh, Bo Nix is pretty mobile too. Let, yeah, no let's thanks. say no. I'm just I'm forget about the name. I'm saying you have a guy where you can say okay, they're they could add a couple points on the ground. Okay, mm-hmm. what what point do you take them? Let's say four of these guys go between round three and round five are you are you taking are you wasting picks on them that's that's i usually punt these guys and don't take any of them because i've been burned by taking so many of these types of guys in my rookie drafts and i'm like i look back and i'm like why the hell did i even take these guys and who's burned you recently that who who have you missed on recently that makes you say you want to do it again this year i took um Jalen Hurts doesn't count because he was a second-round pick. Yeah, no, the one that that comes to mind immediately that I had on some some taxi squads maybe at the beginning of this this fantasy season and ended up dropping was Kellen Mond. He kind of he kind of reminds me of this mold. He was a, a mobile quarterback. He could definitely run. Was an okay passer. Was nothing special, but uh, kind of like what I think about Jaden Daniels a little bit. Well, I mean, the the opposite. Who did you not draft that you should have and got burned on? Oh, um, that I have to think about. There there really isn't anybody. I'm going through it right now. Like, I mean, I'm not talking about second round picks. I never took any, I never took any Dak Prescott's. I never had, I had zero of him coming out of rookie drafts. 
Yep. So that's that's one that I can think of that went definitely late. Um, I think Bailey Zappi from this year. I think I took maybe one of him. I mean, he he looked pretty good for what he did play, but I I was just taking running backs, running backs, running backs. I was not interested in taking a guy like him at all. So do you think if Hedden and Hooker, Jaden Daniels, Jaron Hall, Tanner McKee, any of those guys go in round three as the dynasty community that's in desperate need of quarterbacks, are they going to do the same thing they did last year or are they not? Because last year people still took Ritter, Malik Willis, Matt Corral in the top 20 or higher of rookie drafts. And a lot of that was because, well, the we class thought was they weak. Well, no, it was we thought before the draft they should have gone higher. So the right. NFL is wrong. They took them too late. Let's draft them higher in our rookie drafts because they're going to get a shot. So we got burned last year right. if you took those guys, all three of them, if you took them, you know, hopefully you can get out of like Desmond Ritter or you could get out of Malik Willis. But if they do it again this year and we see three quarterbacks go in round three and round four and you like them. So for, if it's Bo Nix and you don't like Bo Nix, fine. You're not going to take him. I know how you operate. You're just going to be like, he sucks, you know, and you're not going to draft him. Right. But let's say you do like him. Are, are you going to be willing to buy in at the price that they're going to go? Or do you think that was a last year thing? Cause the overall class was weak and people needed players to draft. And this year people will go, ah, oh, yeah, Malik Willis and Desmond Ritter, they failed. I ain't drafting Hendon Hooker in the in round two of my dynasty draft. That's a waste. Do you think people adjust this year and push them down to where they're a value? Well, I, I just think there's more talent in this draft uh, from running back position. The we have four Agreed. we have four actual quarterbacks who should go in the first round. We have a couple tight ends that should probably go higher. So I think they'll get adjusted down to like the mid second at the earliest to like middle of the third is probably where those types would go. But I think you see how these rushing quarterbacks are. If Jaden Daniels lands in a spot you know, where he could be a, a decent backup uh, to another rushing quarterback or, you know, Hendon Hooker gets a nice landing spot for a guy that he might replace in a year, you know, something like that. What, what if one of these guys goes to Detroit and they don't take, you know, they don't take a quarterback in round one with their two picks, but they wait until round three and draft Hendon Hooker, you know, is that, is that a guy you'd be interested in because he might have a shot? Yeah, I mean, that's a good, that's actually a really good example of one where you can see people really liking that. Right. But here's the thing if everyone starts to really like it and I start to follow that everyone really likes it, guess what? His price is going to be too high. So it really has, oh, go ahead. No, it has to be a process thing Mm -hmm. over the situation because if, if you and I kind of like the player, but then he goes to that exact situation you described. And then we start we start talking about how we like it, and other people are like, "Oh, that's a great spot. He's going to take over for Jared Goff." You know, the narrative is going to push the player's price up into a range where I probably don't want to pay. Mm-hmm. But it, and so you're ignoring the process. The process there says, "Okay, if Bo Nix and Hendon Hooker go in round three, and they both go to a spot with a one year quarterback, you should probably like Bo Nix just as much as Hendon Hooker." Right. Yet the community will go, "Oh, Hendon Hooker." He's a mid-round two-pick Bo Nix. He should barely go in the third. And that's just bias based on what they were beforehand, ignoring the process of, hey, they're both drafted in the same situation. They're both drafted in the same round. They should go back-to-back, but they don't. They're just biased because no one wants Bo Nix because they think he stinks, and everyone wants Hendon Hooker because he probably could have won the Heisman, and he can run a little bit and, you know. 
what else? I, yeah, I think I think uh, Hooker has a shot to go in that like second to third round range in the actual NFL draft, and because people thought, you know, oh man, he might be the Heisman, he should be a high first round pick this year. You know, people were hyping him up. To where people are going to be like, oh, well, the only reason he's down here is because of the ACL surgery, and he's going to be, you know, really good steal for me here in round two, middle of round two at 206. So I think that could pump him up too, and especially if he gets a good landing spot like a, like a Detroit or something like that, where he's going to be, you know, he's not that far away from maybe being the guy there with some weapons. He's going to have... Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, he's going to have Jamison Williams, he's got Swift and uh, Jamal Williams, he's going to have all these guys, so yeah, I think that could uh, that could happen this year. Okay, so let me just challenge you on this, then we'll go to the other positions. Okay. So say Bo Nix goes somewhere in mid-round two, Hendon Hooker goes to Detroit in round three. You still taking Hendon Hooker over Bo Nix in drafts? Yes, because I'll probably... 99.9% have Hendon Hooker rated above Bo Nix because I just don't think Bo Nix is any good. Okay, so that speaks to where you are basically saying, I don't care what the NFL said. I'm going yep. with my evaluation. Yep. And it's not right or wrong. Like, I could tell you that doesn't make sense because I could probably find five spots yeah, no, in the draft where I, you don't I did do the, that. I did the same shit with Daniel Jones. I said, hell no, this guy sucks. And I admitted, you know, on here earlier that I probably should have took some Daniel Jones, especially where he was going, because he was going in round two of of rookie drafts. I probably should have took some Daniel Jones, despite my bias of, oh, this guy sucks. Well, but here's where you might not be wrong. Does the draft capital of the mid-second and the early third, let's say, is the example, is that flat enough to where it doesn't matter? To where you can basically say that draft capital doesn't matter enough in between the two players i'm just going to stick with my player evaluation and that's it or whatever tiebreaker i'm using landing spot opportunity whatever it is like certain ranges i would tell you where we get into trouble is people go okay i hate will levis i heard someone say this on a podcast the other day will levis goes in the top 15 hendon hooker goes in the early second they'll still take hendon hooker first Mm -hmm. so they're basically just going like i'm good i don't like him he could go fucking 101. I'm not drafting him. Right. And I'm going to take this guy over him because I've watched their film or whatever. I think he's better. There's a big difference in that if it's a first-round player versus a second-round player Agreed, versus yeah. a late second and a late third. To me, like the NFL is saying late second, late third, whatever. You know, like mm. I'm okay abandoning the draft capital there just like we do at running back. Do you care if a guy went early third versus early fourth at running back? No. No. You probably just care about what backfield are they in? Where are they going to get opportunity? Who did I like? Give me both of them or give me neither one, you know? Right. Okay. All right. Well, good discussion there on the quarterbacks. I'll hit up the running backs here real quick. So, obviously, number one running back, B. John Robinson, Texas. He's like the 101 in every single draft, barring a freak injury or anything, knock on wood, uh, that he doesn't fucking do that. Um, after that, Devin Achain is number two from Texas A&M. Three, Jameer Gibbs, Alabama. Number four, Dwayne McBride, UAB. Haven't honestly watched any of him, so I have no clue what kind of a player he is, but I am intrigued to learn more about him for sure. Blake Corum is number five from Michigan. Number six, here's an interesting one, Marshawn Lloyd, South Carolina. 
Uh, haven't heard too much about him lately. I know he was a, a big prospect, but I never saw him this high. Uh, seven, Zach Charbonnet, UCLA. Number eight, uh, one I've just recently learned about from Ray and um, some of his Twitter takes, and Joe Marino was talking this guy up, Tajay Spears from Tulane. Uh, just from the quick little videos that Ray posted, I'm definitely going to like this guy a lot. Uh, Kendra Miller, number nine from TCU, and 10 is Chase Brown from Illinois. And the just-missed list is Rashawn Johnson from Texas, uh, Kenny McIntosh, Georgia, Sean Tucker, Syracuse, Eric Gray, Oklahoma, Zach Evans, Old Miss, and Mohammed Ibrahim from Minnesota. So what is your uh, your take from that top 10? Uh, I mean, I'll kind of get your thoughts on uh, some of them because uh, I've done a sure. lot of blabbering on this. But I, I'll just say this. I think we probably view running backs the same. When you read that list to me, I go, I'm just basically soaking in the list. I did the same thing when we talked with Shane Hallam a couple weeks ago. Yep. I, give me as many running backs in this range as I can. And just, just give me as many names to put on my radar as possible. Yep, and then we're going to get a lot more information to adjust on. So it, it is what this should take away. What you should take away from this list is this is just one guy. It's Mel Kuyper. So, you know, he's even admitted sometimes he doesn't watch a lot of the players until after the season anyway, because he doesn't have time to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he's got Sean Tucker and, Zach Evans outside of his top 10. Yep. And those are two of the guys where if you did mock draft, people will just put those guys like in the second round by default. And yep. I go, well, why? Well, I, why? I, I don't know. Cause I've heard of them. I mean, literally that's what it is. You know, I've heard of them. So I think this, the, my takeaway of this is that once you get outside of the elite running backs, I mean, you're, you're basically at a point where, you're kind of just waiting for the NFL to tell you based on how you're going to end up slotting them in. So it's just, it's very ambiguous at the running back position. Yeah. I just want to, like you said, take as many shots at these guys as I can. I'm going to do my own film evaluation on these guys. Basically YouTube scout them. Uh, I'm sure Ray Garvin is going to be doing some film breakdowns for the highs or for the uh, destination Debbie community that he'll do. So that's another great reason to join destination Debbie, um, get in that discord. And when Ray is, I think he did it every Wednesday last year. I usually had to work on Wednesday night, so I didn't get to watch them live, but you can go back and watch these and Ray breaks them down all 22 film on these guys. If he has the film and we go over a lot of these guys, that's, you know, I, that's why I liked Samir white. That's why I loved Zonovan Knight. Um, I saw a lot of good things from Zonovan Knight, Ty Chandler, both of those guys I just saw a lot of, and it stems from Ray's um, film breakdown. So definitely recommend joining up over there because he's going to be doing a lot on these guys. But yeah, for this whole list, I, I think it's pretty solid. Like I could see, I could argue putting Sean Tucker up. I can argue putting Eric Gray's looked um, semi decent this year. Zach Evans got, you know, basically uh, Wally Pitts by um, Kushan Junkins. Uh, Ibrahim has just always been a solid rock. Uh, Chris Rodriguez isn't even on here from Kentucky that, you know, you've seen a ton of and we both like. So, yeah, I mean, this this list is very interesting. Just some guys that I'm going to keep on my radar and and take a look at. But um, as far as like a big takeaway from this one, 
I kind of do like a chain as number two. Like I, I think a lot of people think it's Jameer Gibbs number two pretty easy, and it might end up that way. But I think with a chain speed, like that's kind of a guy I'm gonna want in in dynasty. I think, if, especially if he gets good draft capital, goes somewhere special. Like he has Chris Johnson type speed when Chris Johnson was with the Titans. Like this guy could be an absolute game breaker. Um, if you can get that kind of guy on your team, you know, at, at the beginning of the second round or whatever, if he's like, if he ends up being like a second round pick, um, I bet he's going in the first round of rookie drafts. He'll probably go at the back end. So, do you think the same about a chain and and Gibbs those, those type players? Yeah, I mean, especially if the the usage at running back now, like people are going to probably gravitate towards specific traits like that, and they don't necessarily care if a guy can ever be at a spot where he's getting you know, a, a boatload of touches. So I think it's just really putting together your backfields, kind of like I talked about on the Destination Dynasty shows, putting together your backfields with different prototypes, uh, some pass catchers, some speed guys, some early down hammers. Like you kind of want to have just like different shots at different players. I mean, there's a couple guys that, you know, are not even mentioned on this list. You mentioned Rodriguez, uh, Israel Abaconda is not on here. Deuce Vaughn's not on here. Um, uh, Zavian Valade from yeah, uh, Mayan Williams isn't on here. Um, there's three or four or five, maybe more running backs that also could come out of nowhere. And, you know, not all of them are going to get draft capital. Not all of them are going to go back to school or some of them could go back to school, but like it, it's really just a pick your poison. And this is just another one of those classes. Like we talked about with Shane, you know, we're, we're betting there's going to be a dozen running backs that go in range where we want them. And I, Honestly, I'm not really going to care which ones. I mean, I'm going to like others more than some, but like it, I'm not really going to care necessarily which ones I get, which ones I don't. It's where are they going to land relative to the picks that I have and the cheaper, the better, you know, because there's, there's going to be ones that like, I like Devin a chain, but you know, is he really three rounds better than Deuce Vaughn? Maybe, maybe maybe not though. So I think another interesting thing that I'll just bring up quickly before we go to wide receivers, there is a shit ton of running backs available in free agency this year too. Saquon Barkley, Good Kareem point. Hunt, Rashad Penny, Jamal Williams, Josh Jacobs, uh, Raheem Moser, Deontay Foreman, Samaje P. Ryan, Miles Sanders. Uh, the list goes on and on here of guys. Devin, Her- Devin Singletary, Damian Harris. Damian Harris, yep. Daryl Henderson just got cut again. Thanks, Daryl. David Montgomery I didn't bring up. That's another one. Alexander Madison. A lot of people think that he's going to get a starting job somewhere maybe. Tony Pollard. Or Tony Pollard. Yep. Um, yeah, so there is a lot of free agent running backs this year too. So I think with that and this crop of class coming in, man, I mean, I think teams might just be looking – to go youth and a lot of these guys just might end up getting drafted and i think that's going to lead to like obviously like barkley's gonna sign somewhere josh jacobs with his year he's having he's gonna sign somewhere pollard miles sanders david montgomery those guys are gonna get scooped up in free agency but these like rashad pennies maybe even kareem hunt jamal williams he he probably resigns with detroit but these raheem mosters deontay foreman's Samaje P. Ryan, Boston Scotts, those types of players might have to like wait until after the NFL draft to even find a home 
So I think that's going to be really interesting because I think we're going to have a lot of running backs that have that F.A. next to their name when you go to look at your rosters um, after the NFL draft because I think the NFL teams are going to prioritize these young, rookie, really good running backs that are coming into the league more. Well, let's do this. Let's save receivers and tight ends for next week because I want to ask you another question that I think will branch us off into a tangent for another 10, 15 minutes speaking to that topic. So just speculating here, let's say what you just said is true. All these running backs hit free agency. There's going to be probably a dozen of them that sign during that week when free agency kicks off, right? Like some of the high end ones, you're going to have a random chase Edmonds or two, someone that a team just wants that guy and then they sign him immediately. Right. But I think you're right. right. There's going to be running backs that you've been holding on your dynasty teams going, Oh, that guy, I could squint and see where that guy might get a, a really good, decent you know, a really good contract or a decent role, and then they don't. So does it worry you, though, if you have some of these guys that maybe the NFL doesn't really think are worth that much more than a couple million dollar contract? Even though in Dynasty, we sit here and go, oh, David Montgomery, he's good. Mm-hmm. What if the NFL doesn't think he's worth more than $3 million a year and he just sits in free agency for a couple months because he goes, I'm not signing a backup job somewhere for $3 million. I'm going to hold out, you know? And I'm not saying him, but there's going to be a couple that you're like, I thought that guy's good and he's not signed. What's going on? Right. But now say the NFL drafts Zach Evans early round three, right? But then in a month they signed David Montgomery. Will the community overvalue the draft capital for the rookie because there's so many other running backs available? Will we overvalue them based on draft capital and then – they easily like a team could bring in a De- Deontay Foreman and Samaj P. Ryan, and then like those guys are starting over the rookie. And you're going, what the hell? I just paid an early second round pick for this guy, and they sign a guy off the street, and he's starting over him. Like, can you see that happening to where we actually overvalue this class because it's so saturated in terms of veteran talent too? That's going to be hitting free agency. Yeah, I, there's so many like examples in my head of of that actually happening too. You know, so. I could definitely see that. You know, I think it's I, – I still think the NFL is going to value the rookies more, though, just because of the cheap contracts. You know, they don't have to pay David Montgomery or Tony Pollard or whoever $3, 4 $5 million a, a year. So I just think, um, you know, those guys are going to be, you know – more those guys are going to be more beneficial to have those rookie contracts on especially i mean just kind of looking at this free agent list i mean like deontay foreman with you know could he resign with carolina sure but could he be a guy that just he's all the way out there until like training camp begins i can definitely see that like the mike boone types um ronald jones that's another one i was going to bring up like he can't even play this year and he's a free agent again like he might just be completely dead like and not sign anywhere like ronald jones is the type like i'll just take anything like if i can get whatever if you have a five round rookie job i'll just take a fifth for him somebody wants to give me a fifth for ronald jones i'll just take it and i'll just take a a rookie running back because that frees up that roster spot for me and i can get you know that fifth round pick back for him the the more likelihood is probably nobody's gonna buy ronald jones from me and you know what i'm probably gonna just have to cut him Um, and he's the guy that if he gets cut i'll pick him up and carry him into the offseason because he's a living, breathing body. 
but I, right. I I agree with what you're saying, but I also agree with like that's how extreme it could be in terms of we don't know where these guys are going to fall. Like mm-hmm. any random guys could get jobs, and then guys you think are good don't get a job. Like you would go, well, why did a team sign Ronald Jones over yeah. Damian Harris? And you yeah, go, or, well, yeah, like why does Amir Abdullah keep? kicking around like I don't think he's very good but he keeps kicking around to like three or four different teams you know and I can see a guy like Damian Harris being the one that doesn't get signed because people are like oh he's not that good he's injury prone Mm -hmm. and then a team drafts you know Chase Brown in the third round and then that team signs Damian Harris in June and he's the starter right two two of my favorites are free agent Miles Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed Love both of those guys. I mean, those I'm guys probably... are as dead as Ronald Jones. They can't play either. Well, at least they've actually been on the field this year. Ronald so Jones is Ronald Jones. Like, yeah, for a game, and he got like Ronald Jones got more touches this year than Miles Gaskin, doesn't he? No, Gaskin's had more for sure. Oh, okay. What are what are we fighting over? Like six touches and like eleven? I want to see if they even have stats on here. No, it doesn't. Oh, uh, maybe that does. So this year, so far, he has three games played. He has 39 snaps, 10 carries, 26 yards, four catches, 28 yards. That's Miles Gaskin. Definitely has more than Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones has, uh, let's see here. Ronald Jones this year with Kansas City, two games played, 14 snaps, four carries, 12 yards, one catch, 22 yards. So, yes, Miles Gaskin has had a lot more playing time than Mr. Ronald Jones. So, Salvin Ahmed, four touches. So, yeah, there you Salvin go. Salvin hasn't. But, yeah, those are those are guys that I will definitely – I have a bias towards and I'll keep. Uh, Rico Doddle, another guy who's been on IR all freaking year for two years now. I'm probably going to be out on him. Can cut a guy like that. Uh, Caleb Huntley, that's a guy that I'll probably pick up a little bit because you, you showed me that chart from Twitter – uh, and a couple weeks ago now of uh, efficiency. And basically Caleb Huntley and actually all three of the uh, Falcons running backs were, were pretty high on that list. So Caleb Huntley might be a guy that gets dropped here at the end of the year that I'll just pick up and see. Like he could end up on a team somewhere and be like the third running back or something like that. How about Chris Evans? Chris Evans has a total of, let's see, what, three touches this year. Is that a guy you're going to hold on to, or is he fitting the – I've already he been get, He gets lost out. Him. Yeah, I've already started to cut him just because I need some some extra bodies. But So the interesting thing about a guy like that, though, is he's on a rookie deal, a cheap one. Yeah. And the so actually, he's probably cut those guys. Well, he's probably more a guy like that is probably more likely to stay on a team until he just can't make the team versus, right. you know, the Salvin Ahmeds, Miles Gaskins, Ronald Jones. Those guys are on one year deals. They're automatically free agents. I mean, speaking to that, Travion Williams, this is his final year of his rookie deal. And the Bengals have kept him around for four years and he hasn't done a damn thing. Yeah, and so he was he their fourth running gets... back the whole time. So I, I think yeah. there are guys like that that people have cut that are – I don't want to yeah, say they're safer. Waiver wire. Yeah, I don't want to say they're safer, but there are guys that I've seen getting cut, mm. and you're like, they're still a draft pick. They're still on a really, really cheap contract that they have the upper hand going into the offseason to have a job. You know, like right. look at – Look at Eno Benjamin. I know he didn't work out in Arizona, but he's a guy they kept, and he did literally nothing, never even really played for his first two years. So that's one of the reasons why I'm still like, okay, I'll keep that Snoop Connor. 
You know what I mean? Right. Even though you're going like, how the hell is he not playing at all? But like, he's on a rookie deal, you know? So anyway, I didn't mean to take that art, that running back topic into that tangent, but I do think it's going to be fascinating because you just named all those running backs that are hitting free agency along with this draft class. And man, that's like 40 to 50 running backs that are going to be trying to fill like the two deep spots on a lot of teams. And we have yeah. no clue where they're going to be. So, yeah, this is like porn for me and Scott, like these running back jobs and st- all that, trying to figure them out. We just love this stuff. I mean, it, it it's interesting <laughs> because it's going to make you're going to have some running back rooms that you think are solid and then they're they're dog shit. Then you're going to have some running back rooms that are going, man, I have a bunch of these guys that Eric named, and I got a bunch of late rookie picks. They're going, damn, I got a good running back room next year. Yeah. I got five starters. Or these players that you actually like like end up getting cut, and then they get replaced. Like, would it shock you if the Chiefs just said, uh, bye, Clyde edwards lair No. Wouldn't shock me at all. No. Like, um, trying to think of, like, another example, but, like, we always see these, like, you know, a guy that we think is um, a locked-in starting running back and he gets replaced. I think the the one that comes to mind is uh, the Ravens when they had Justin Forsett. He was uh, the starter there, had a really good season. Everyone thought, okay, Forsett's going to be the be the main guy again this year. He was going like a fourth, fifth round and, and redraft, and then he gets cut uh, at the final cuts and didn't come back to the team. Trey you know, Mason. So- yeah, Trey Mason, same another another one. So yeah, it, that could definitely happen with any Michael of these Carter guys. last year. Not only that, not only did he get smoked by Brees, but he's getting pushed out by Zonovan Knight. Right? Yeah. I mean that that stuff happens. That that's um, why people go Damian Pierce isn't safe. Not saying he's not good, but to sit here and say he's absolutely safe, that's a team decision. Right. That you really can't say for sure, you know? You just can't. Yeah. Atlanta, they have uh, Algier and Cordell Patterson. Could easily draft two more guys or bring in a draft a guy and an undrafted guy, and those two replace those two easily. So, just just something to keep in mind with the running backs. We'll do more running back stuff um, during the off season because that's one of our passions. So for sure. Yep. All right, well, let's do receivers for... and tight ends next week. So we'll do America's favorite game, right? Yeah, that's what we're going to do here. We'll wrap this up. We'll do uh, receivers and tight ends next week. Give us something to talk about for for next week on that list. We might might even get some more stuff like Dane Brugler or, or McShay might put some stuff out that we can go over too. So that'll be cool. Um, so America's favorite game this week. I didn't really come up with anything special this week. Um... So kind of just coming off something with the top of my head. We'll do this one. This one's a, be an easy one. Get out of here quickly. What is your favorite fast food chain? Ooh. Well, I would definitely say I don't eat fast food hardly ever. Right. But I guess if you would consider like quick dining fast food too, like Chipotle would definitely be up there. That's, That's definitely in the, day, yeah. yeah, I mean, if you count that as fast food, which I mean, usually you got to at least wait a little bit or go inside to dine, but right now with, now with like Uber eats and delivery services and, you know, curbside right. pickup and stuff, it basically is fast food. So I would say that's up there. If I'm doing like uh I don't give a shit cause I'm very meticulous about like what I eat and working out and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I typically don't eat fast food, but not, not that I don't have vices, but that typically isn't one of right. them. I, I will say probably I could go for, I, I'll say just Wendy's 
I've always had a soft spot for Wendy's when I was a kid. That was where I always wanted to go. Never liked Burger King. Uh, you know, that, that was just always the place. Like growing up in Columbus and in Ohio, like there's Wendy's everywhere. A lot of people probably don't know even – I've never been to Wendy's, you know, cause they have other chains where they live, but uh, yeah, I would say that. And, but Chipotle is up there. Chipotle is what I still get. I still eat Chipotle cause it's pretty clean. Yeah. Chipotle is definitely my number one as well. Um, just some other ones that I, I do like, I do like Arby's. Arby's is a good one, but it's fucking expensive, but every place is fucking expensive. You used to crush Donato's. I remember that. Donato's. I was going to bring that up. They don't even have one up here anymore. Really? No, but what happened was Red Robin bought like Donato's or the, the ingredients ingredients or the rights to sell that kind of pizza. So now Red Robins up here have um, Donato's pizzas that you can get delivered to you and all that. So that just recently started with it like during like COVID basically. Is it um, the same thing? Like, does it say Donato's on it or is it just like their own brand, um, but it's the same thing? It's, it yeah, it's I don't know if it's called Donato's pizza, but I think it is. But it's cut the same way, you know, into the little squares and all that. Um, it doesn't have like the spicy pepperoni, kind of like Donato's had. It had a little bit of the spice on it, but it's pretty much the same thing. Um, but yeah, that that's a great call. I used to love Donato's uh, pizzas. That's probably just a Ohio thing almost. I don't know how many other states have Donato's. Some people are probably like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> and it, it it was expensive too. Yeah, it was expensive, but it was fucking good. I agree. Yeah, yeah um, that was what I used to get when I was a kid. We'd get Donatos yeah. every once in a while. Yeah, Arby's is another. Like I said, was another good one. I mean, your McDonald's and Burger King. That's fine for like, you know, you just gotta have it once in a while. I I do have my um. I definitely have to go in like February, March. I always go to McDonald's and get the uh, Shamrock Shake. That was always a, a favorite. I always love those fucking things. Um, trying to think of some other decent ones. Dairy Queen up here. I don't know if you have Dairy Queens down there, but oh, yeah. they actually they actually have some pretty good food. Um, mm-hmm. minus I mean the ice cream is obviously awesome, but the uh, the food's actually pretty decent too. Um. Yeah, I can't think of really anything too much, too much more that you know I'll usually have once in a while. But definitely Chipotle is is the number one. I'll I'll have it delivered to me. I'll go get it if I'm feeling all right. Um, oh, I gotta bring this one. This is a a Heisman favorite, Chick Fil A. Uh, those guys talk about Chick Fil A all the time. Uh, shout out to Gabe in the Heisman tier group. That dude has like a hundred thousand Chick Fil A points. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> he can own his own franchise. That's what we joke about. Um, but yeah, that that's another decent one, Chick Fil A. It's okay. I I think there's a couple of them that are a little like they almost have like a cult following. Chick Fil A is one of them. Right. Like it's okay. I've had it like twice in my life. It's okay. So maybe and I haven't like, had it enough to to say for sure. Like the uh, it's not up here anywhere, but like people talk about Whataburger and um, there's another big burger joint that I've never had of. In and out for In and Out, that was it. Yeah. That's I've, a I've huge never one, had yeah. any of those ones either. Yeah, so I've never had any of those, unfortunately. Um but how I mean I remember um just a quick quick sidebar story. When we were in uh Vegas, that's all we fucking ate was Chipotle because they had it in the mall there. You know, we, yeah. we had like Chipotle like every fucking day. It was great. I loved it. Yep. That was I would my eat whole month. I definitely would eat Chipotle every day. It it, it can get expensive too, but 
you know, right. you don't feel too bad about what you're eating, but all, all fast food, all carry out, everything has been priced up now because of the, the cost of services and supplying yeah. and everything. So and everything's costly. It's like you almost save like $10 just going there yourself to get it with the fucking fees and tipping and all Yeah, that. they prey like, on laziness, dude. They prey on they, laziness for them. I mean, there are people that literally can't leave their house. I get that. That's why there's yeah. a service. But I know tons of people that are literally they'll be like, yeah, and I'm, they're gu- just, I'm guilty of it. I'm five. Oh, no, I know I'm you like are. Five, <laughs> I'm like it, five minute drive away. If, if that from the Chipotle, it's sitting on I'm your like, couch and you get yep. sitting on your couch and you get Uber eats and you pay $24 for something you could have got for 12. If you would have just gone and fucking yep. picked it up. Yeah. Cause it's too fucking cold out or it's snowing out or it's raining out, whatever. Like fuck that. Have someone else I, bring it. Well, funny story. I did that yesterday. I was busy uh, doing some things around the house and I ordered uh, stuff from a Kroger, so a grocery store, but like I ordered it online and got it delivered because you can get it delivered through Instacart for like 10 bucks. Right. And then you tip. So I ended up paying, you know, I I left like a $10 tip and is a $10 delivery charge and it was like a $110 order. Jeez. But I'm just like, it shows up on my porch. And yeah, they text you the so entire time. Like yep. your shopper will text you and be like, um, yeah, I'm at the, I'm in the aisle. They don't have any more of these. You want an alternative or something like that. So it's like, it's just, it, it's convenience. If you cut all that stuff out in your life, you'd probably be like, wow, I'm blowing an extra $200 a month on just like convenience, literally convenience that I could cut out and would never miss it. It would just be a little more, you know, right. a couple extra minutes here and there, you know? Yep. And here we are talking about this. America's favorite game for 15 minutes. <laughs> yep. yep. You're right. The irony. Yep. Always. All right. Well, that is it for this week, guys. Uh, thank you for joining us. I am at Eric Vanek NFL on Twitter, and you can also follow the game or the, the game, the Twitter at America's game pod. Uh, follow us there as well. Scott, what do you got coming up on destination Debbie coming or destination dynasty coming up on uh, Monday? We'll see. I'll keep it a surprise. I'm still uh, picking between a couple of things, so it actually isn't fully planned out yet. So I'll just say uh, finish the roster construction series, probably going to be going in a little bit of a different direction. And uh, I think the next couple episodes will probably just be like me rambling on what I'm thinking about going into the offseason. So it may not be as organized or as evergreen, but I also think that it's uh, some topics that I have in mind that really are – you know, they're, they're going to be heavily debated and I want to kind of start thinking about them a little early even before the season ends. So that's probably what the next right. few episodes are going to be about. And then I do want to say, I am going to start live streaming uh, when we get to, uh, when we get to the off season, it, it's, it's just hard to live stream during the NFL season when it's like there's Sunday night games on and stuff. Like that's just right. not the time to live stream in my opinion. It's like, you got to do great. content. You got to do content during kind of like the off periods of the week. Uh, so, great. I mean, I, I'm going to start doing that more, you know, maybe every weekend or every other weekend with Destination Dynasty doing it on YouTube and doing live streams right. and just kind of talking, talking through stuff versus organic episodes. So you'll get a little bit of a mix of both, but that'll be off season only. Right. And then make sure you guys check out uh, Destination Devi Patreon as well. Uh, Patreon.com uh, slash all gas. Make sure you guys check out Scott's Patreon as well. Uh, Patreon slash Dynasty and Chill. Uh, great communities, both of them. Uh, Ray's is on Discord. Scott's is on GroupMe. Both of those have phone apps, so you can easily use those. Um, lots of great discussion in both groups. You know, trade ideas, 
um, who to pick up, just anything, uh, even just philosophy and, and dynasty wise, like just theories and stuff like that. A lot of people are willing to talk and chat about that kind of stuff. So make sure you guys, if you haven't joined either of those groups, make sure you guys go ahead and join both of those groups and uh, join us there. Uh, we're always there chatting and talking. So good stuff. Yeah. If you like this, you get a lot of that from uh, a lot of other smart yeah. people. So appreciate you plugging those and, um, yeah. yeah, we'll sign off till next week where we'll cover those other positions and, uh, yeah, go ahead and sign us off. Yeah, and just one more quick thing. I'm going to beat with the music and, and the add-ons. I'm going to beat Jay Rich's 153 that they had on their podcast yesterday. So we're going to beat him. We're going to go over Jay Rich's podcasting time. So this whole time you were just trying to get to the 153 mark so you could <laughs> brag, right? Just a little bit. Yeah, that's. there's been so many times where we try to get to – you know, hey, let's keep this an hour and 15, and then, you know, it's yeah, 2.05. <laughs> yep. Like, and we're not like even clockwork. halfway through. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like clockwork. When I say, Eric, we're going to make this 45 minutes, you go, okay, so an hour and a half. <laughs> yep. Just, just yep. add an extra half hour, 45. So, all right, guys. Um, until next week, we will see you later.